To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome, everybody. Here we are, Cop Radio 100.5 FM. Woo! Room Tone, the radio show. I'm Roger, your host. Let's just head dive right into it, talking movies, because we love it. Today, everybody, today, please raise your hands, because representing Crazy Eights, we have Aaron Masolom and Maxime Bosham. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. good. You? Thank you. Woo! It's a... Pleasure to be here. I'm really happy to be speaking about Crazy Aids as the leading event, really, for the indie film community here in Vancouver. So powerful, so precious. But first, there is a deadline right here that I really want to get across. October 23rd, is that correct? Tell us more about that. That is correct. Um, we are taking submissions right now, three-minute pitches via video through Film Freeway. But the deadline for Crazy Eats this year is October 23rd at midnight. So we're encouraging everybody to get their pitch in. Just three minutes of your time. Wonderful. Big. So people pitching, but hold on, hold on. Foot on the clutch right there. What is Crazy Eats? Oh, gosh. Crazy Eights. Um, actually, Crazy Eights is a, an awesome program. Yeah, what we do is we come alongside independent filmmakers and we give them a leg up into the industry by providing an opportunity for them to make a short film in just eight days. Um, and so what's different about Crazy Eights to other short filmmaking programs is that the entire industry surrounds these teams of top six uh, projects and really supports them with top-notch professional um, industry support. Everything from writing all the way down to post-production and marketing distribution. So uh, it's a short film program, but it's so much more. <laughs> of course, of course. And it's so powerful to see the community coming together for the event, uh, the main event in February. Is it going to be February again? Yes. February 22nd, we have our uh, famous gala screening and after party where we show the top six films that were made, I think, a week before that on a massive screen at the center. And then we celebrate the work of that in the entire film industry community at an after party at Science World. So February 22nd, 2020, mark it in your calendars. Mm, wonderful. Thank you for that, Erin. And today in the booth, I'm so happy that we're joined by super charismatic Maxine. Oh, super charismatic. Yeah, man. Let me throw that out there, man. And I want to uh, really take a moment and congratulate for the amazing work that you've been doing, the amazing work that Amer Films has been doing. Big shout out to Kent, yes. the leader in our community uh, as Kent. well. Go yes. You, I'm very happy that uh, uh, we are here. We could to chat a bit about more also about the films and your journey as a filmmaker through Crazy Eights. Yeah, definitely. I participated to the 2018 edition as a director and then uh, I actually found myself helping a team in last year as a co-producer, the Hatch team directed by Heather Perluzzo. So it's been a great adventure with Crazy Eights. Only good things to say about it. Mm, of course, and again, uh, when it all comes together, everybody comes together and witnesses and uh, the showcase of the different films. Wow, the magic in the room. And the, oh. the, the, even the people, the scale of the people that come yeah. together, it's always sold out. So yeah. people really got to act early for to make that happen. Yeah, Wonderful. Yeah, no, we sell out. We, the center holds about 1,600, 1,700 people, and we sell out every single year, and tickets are hot. People want them um, because it's really an opportunity to celebrate. I mean, there isn't a huge event uh, except for crazy it's, it happens every single year that every that it's accessible to everybody that can bring you know 1800 people that love film and short film and love our industry into the same room and so it's a really fun party mm -hmm. 1800 people you guys want to count to 1800 with me it's a long way that's for sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow Maxime Maxime I really want to uh, head up into your trajectory as a filmmaker as well yeah I'm curious where do you see yourself in five years and especially looking at where you were maybe five years ago it's really crazy because five years ago I wasn't even doing film. I start. I went to film school uh, in 2016. Um, I, w I come from a dance background and a performing arts background where I did theater, 
And then I was doing some shows and I was doing little short films to introduce each numbers. And I'm like, wait, I know nothing about this art. And then <laughs> I, that's when I said, let's go to Vancouver, let's study film. So my trajectory during this past three years have been really great. I've learned a lot. I've had great opportunities with Crazy Eights, with Story Hive, which is another great company here in BC. Um, and I've had the opportunity to have my students film take me a long way. So we're, I'm keeping on doing projects. I'm working on music videos, a short film that will be shot in the next two months with Emmy Films. We're developing feature films. So hopefully in the next five years, I'll be able to be a professional director and uh, not have five million side hustles to survive here in Vancouver, you know? That's the goal. And Vancouver is definitely a city with many different colors in its color wheel. Yes. So the side, the, the side hustle is somehow part of the game. Even it is. if you try to, you know, get rid of it. There it's you go. like you'll always have a side project, something to talk about, something on the side. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a good time. Yeah. Nice. Of course, it's good times. We love we love making films. We love being here and being able to just share our passion. And that's why you guys are here sharing the passion for film and uh, making this a lobby for filmmakers to talk their truth and speak their hearts. Erin, mm -hmm. I know that you also have a past as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, actually did not go to film school. <laughs> but uh, I after university, I took um, a Bachelor in Fine Arts and I wanted to go into music video uh, production because I thought it would combine all of the disciplines into one. Uh, volunteered on a couple of sets and learned pretty briefly uh, or really quickly that I would not be able to do this as a full-fledged career and actually make money out of it. <laughs> so we had to jiggle a few things. So I found my actually my way into documentary production um, and so pitched a couple of shows to some national broadcasters and you know then I was basically running my own production company for about 10 years producing social issue documentaries. So it was a quite a wild ride. I learned very fast how this whole thing went uh, you know getting funding from not just the broadcaster but from you know grants and organizations and uh, yeah, I made a quite a good career out of it. Then I took a break. I wanted to kind of try something new. Um, that's kind of my theme, it seems like. Mm -hmm. So I went into communications and marketing and publicity. So I sort of have these uh, two, kind of ride two sides of the pine where I can produce things but also know how to like basically get them out into the into the public too. So Wow, look at Erin. There is so much there, huh? <laughs> so much. Woo! It's called Who survival, can... I think. Incredible. <laughs> you just got to keep going. Right? It's keep like this. Yeah, keep creating. Exactly. Absolutely. That's a really good point, uh, Maxime, because uh, I noticed that uh, there is this beautiful, beautiful uh, quote that stasis mm -hmm. is the antithesis of production. Mm -hmm. uh, the moment we get stuck, then it's over. The yeah. constant motion, like a bike, the constant flow, making that happen. How do you manage to keep this flow alive in a city like Vancouver? It's tricky because you really have to push yourself to like new creative formats because you it's easy to get into a circle where you're always creating the same thing with the same people because once you have your gang of people, it's like, yeah, let's do films, let's create together. So you really have to get out there and go talk to new people and challenge yourself and you need to keep like not be afraid of failing. I think that's one huge thing that is here is that our art is so public that if we fail, everybody sees it, uh -huh. but we need to fail to figure out what are the mistakes. So it's like just, we need to go out there and push ourselves to fail a bit more so that we can be better creatives. Mm, that's some juice yeah. right there. Yeah. That's some gold. I need to remind myself that because every time I did some stuff that weren't the best and I'm like, oh, I'm not a good director. I can't do this anymore. And it's like, no, no, no. You're just finding your way. Like, calm down. Yeah. You have time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I absolutely agree. It's all about learning, right? Like, you're not going to be an expert out of the gate. Every step you take in the creative process or in a business process, you're learning. Mm -hmm. I think we're so hard on ourselves that, like, why don't we understand this immediately? Why can't we get this? And it's, it's something that I've really taken to heart recently. And it's like... I just need to take a break and learn, mm -hmm. you know, and, that, and through that learning process, you get better and you get better and you have to be your own champion, you know, and, and I think as filmmakers, we're always wanting to tell stories and we're going to tell stories differently depending on the story. And mm -hmm. that's a learning process. What a wonderful, wonderful energy. So such good energy here in the booth and exploring the concepts of learning. And definitely, why are we here if not for learning? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. yeah. And exactly. one of the things that I find myself, many filmmakers are really um, interested in learning about is the new concept of distribution. And that's where the events like Crazy Eights come together and create a platform for filmmakers to showcase their films. But what would be your advice, what would be your words for filmmakers that are looking for independent ways to get their films out there? 
Uh, I'm gonna jump in first. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is preparation, and and I and I take that it's kind of a boring word, but it's like you need to have a solid press kit. Mm -hmm. Um, That means like taking the time and inserting those deliverables into your schedule of filming, into your writing, into whatever it is, so that you actually, when you come and your film is done, you have this whole other package of great sellable information that you can hand off to potential buyer or distributor, instead of trying to backtrack and try to grab a you know, a, a scene from a screen from, you know, your your system. It's really, you know, taking, understanding that there's kind of two parts to your final production. And that's the delivery of your film, but it's also the delivery of all the things you're going to need to sell that film, you know, and really making sure that you have that, including how to pitch it. Mm-hmm. Mm, pitching. And we'll actually have a one-minute pitch later on in the episode, so I know. Uh, I'm ready to open my ears and get to experience the amazing pitching that we have here in the room. Uh, talking about pitching, What's the next step for you guys? The next step right now? Uh, Well, I just received some really great news from the Whistler Film Festival that uh, one of our feature projects as Emmy Films that I've been uh, written with Niels Ognestad has been chosen for the Power Pitch program. Yay, congratulations. High five in the booth, man. Yes, high five in the booth. High five in the booth. There we go. Wonderful. So that is our next pitch session, which will happen in, I think it's the first week of December. So it's really getting that feature off the ground where I'm really pushing to get this first feature happening. I think we have an amazing story with Cross Country Baby. So that's what's happening really shortly. But we also, I also have a short being shot at the end of November. Ooh. Yes. Busy schedule, man. Busy schedule. Lovely. But not complaining. <laughs> yes. That's Wonderful. Awesome. Then I guess that we're going to hear about the story of Cross Country Baby. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We can talk so, some more about that. Yeah. 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 I definitely want to make I'll that happen. I'll pitch it to you. Yeah. 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 Pitch yes. it. <laughs> Splash it. Put it out there in the world. Yeah. Put his mics. Just get it, get out there. Wonderful. Erin, what's your next? step well i'm going to be like watching a ton of pitches coming in for crazy Mm. eight so uh really encouraging people to get out there and pitch it's not scary it's just three minutes of a recorded video that you can do anywhere you know um basically we want to get into your heads we want to understand the story you want to tell and we want to understand who you are as a filmmaker so we're encouraging people to pitch and of course once the deadline closes um i help organize our um video pitch jury uh, so there's a whole bunch of industry professionals that view the jury uh, submissions for mm-hmm. uh, video. And then after that, we go into our in-person pitch jury as well. So that's when people, the top 40 projects come in and actually do a physical live pitch to our panel of judges as well. So I'm, I'm in pitch world. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, pitching for me is incre- I'm incredibly passionate about it. It's a, it's an area, um, you know, I'm hoping to kind of do some workshops and pitching on you know, down the road. Um, I've kind of lived and breathed it. I had three years at Story have also running that program as a producer production manager there and uh, saw a ton of pitches as well so uh, I see a lot of pitches Nice! Wow. <laughs> and okay. I can offer a lot of advice yeah I do have a question for uh, right after the break because uh, I do want to hear from you and people I'm sure are very curious to hear from you what makes a good pitch so plan that question in your mind we'll get back to you later but definitely people you heard it so the deadline is October 23rd Send your video, people. Send your video. Get your voice out there. Uh, be part of this amazing initiative that Crazy Eights is. And that being said, I actually want to leave you off for a, a little break with an incredible track from a very, very, very funky uh, producer. Everybody enjoy. This is Sampa the Great with Jamal. Enjoy. Catch you later. Ciao, ciao. And I'm to be your friend, not an enemy. And even Y'all ain't really feeling me And I'm obliged to be a friend, not an enemy Even though don't give up for all what you think of me I'm obliged to be a friend, not an enemy And I smiled and I glided with the melodies I ain't gonna really have not seen the best of me Now I ain't peace, but I am humbly on naturally And I'm obliged to be a friend, not an enemy Intricately imagine me a lover, not a fighter Even though I meditate, I may have to try to Reconstruct some faces, trading places With our leaf, flow like a butterfly Sting like a bee me, connect with me spiritually. To do that, gotta know some of your history. To do that, gotta let go of them, it's time.
Welcome back, everybody. Here we are, Room Tone Radio Show, 100.5 FM Cop Radio. I'm Roger, your host, talking movies because we love it. I'm so happy to be joined by Erin Masolom and Maxime Beauchamp, talking about Crazy Eight and the amazing initiative that really creates this beautiful platform for independent filmmakers to get their voice out there now. We left off on a very, 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 very precious question for Erin earlier before <laughs> the break. Uh, I really want to get back to that. <clears throat> what makes a good pitch? You've seen pitching through Story Half, through Crazy Eights. You see it all the time. What makes a good pitch for you? Um, it's a, a fantastic question. Um, I'm going to do my formula first, then add a few things. So um, whenever I've come up with my own pitches or develop my own projects, I come up with these three acronyms, and it's BME, which is beginning, middle, and end, and then S ESP, emotion story people. If you have those three beginning, if you have a really solid beginning, a middle, and an end, you've got a story, right? We all want to have a beginning, middle, and end to a story. If you have ESP, which is emotion story people, then you've got some reason to care, you've got some interesting characters, and you've got the story because you've got the beginning, middle, and end. And I, before I even start to write anything or even pitch a show, I try to fill in those acronym type things. And then it really gives me a sense of like, do I have a story? Is there a proper beginning, middle, and end? Is there really good characters? Is there a reason? Is there emotion? And then again, what's this whole general story? So um, when good pitches have all six of those, I've seen it firsthand. And then you add a couple other elements on the filmmaker, the reason why they care, who they are as a person, and why the story means a lot to them. So when Heather Paluzzo pitched Hatch last yeah. year, she had a very tangible story um, that was had everything, a beginning, middle, and end. It had emotion story people and she had her personal reason for doing that particular show and it was perfectly successful mm -hmm. mm, yeah beautiful that's an amazing breakdown right there that's gold <laughs> that's just gold right there thank you for sharing that high five in the booth for uh, you that's excellent. amazing i go. love it yeah, and maxime on that note i'd love to ask you about your process of pitching two crazy eights yeah definitely so i pitched in 2000 well i guess in 2017 because then you shoot the film in 2018 and it it was like it was a really good process we did the video pitch at first it was four minutes at the time now it's three minutes you got to go straight to the point but i think what people forget is that yes it's definitely story first and spend the most of your time on what the story is but what people forget is that crazy eights wants to encourage emerging filmmakers so they do want to know about you and what makes you special and why are you the best person to shoot this film you know what are you going to bring to this film is it emotion is it style is it aesthetic like just put your art in it so that people can feel your passion and if you're able to do that you're already one step ahead hmm wonderful what was your first interaction with crazy eights uh well i when I in film school people were talking to me about crazy eights and I'm like oh I can't do that like when I come out of film school like <laughs> I don't have enough experience but then I'm like you know what let's do it let's because you don't overthink it just pitch it and if you get in you get in like you know so my first interaction was people talking to me about it so I prepared a script for it and then I went to the info session and at the info session, a lot of people talked about and what they said that really struck with me is that Crazy Eights is a platform for the type of art you want to do. So it really struck a chord with me because I was I was writing a script that was a bit different of who I was because I wanted to try something new. But Crazy Eights is such a great platform and you get to showcase your work to so many people that it's time to show them what you're best at. So then I actually rewrote an entire other story that I think really showcased what type of director I wanted to be 
And I think that's the reason why we were able to get to top six. Mm, speaking from the heart, yeah, uh, that's the juice. That's always the passion that makes it through and really yeah. resonates with the breakdown that Erin shared with us. Wonderful. And so what was the first film uh, that you made with Crazy Eights? The film we made with Crazy Eights was Small Fish, which is the story of an artist who moves to a big city and she finds herself getting lost in all the, um, uh, the, cri the critics of her art. Uh, but the story is told entirely through dance with no dialogue. Mm. So it was, it was one of the first for Crazy Eights, which was uh -huh. a great experience. Uh -huh. Uh, to bring that to the team and it really shows that they are open to new types of formats of films so if you have a new idea that you haven't seen to crazy it's and you think it doesn't fit then pitch it because they need it mm, yeah that's the core of the uh, of the whole process and yeah uh, i guess really coming together and celebrating the diversity not only in being but also in ideas yeah exactly mm -hmm. in style in aesthetic like bring something completely new to the table and just show your passion mm -hmm. wonderful and this is where i want to uh, take a leap and explore a little bit deeper the um, energy that drives your guys filmmaking and your guys storytelling because uh, at the moment looking at vancouver and how quickly things flow in this city uh, with crazy eights uh, uh, the deadline just around the corner on october 23rd and the main event in february once all of this is over what happens to erin and what happens to maxime I rap. <laughs> Relax. I rap and then uh, for not too for too long because then we started up again. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. We so after Crazy Eights kind of is shown on the big screen, we actually take all of our teams. It's not actually done for them. Uh, we take our our top directors. We put them into a room with a member of the Directors Guild of Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, Zach Lepofsky did this amazing workshop. We actually have a renewed partnership with the Directors Guild of Canada here in BC. They originally started Crazy Eights, and so they understand the importance of getting those directors some traction and understanding that we don't want them to just make a film and then be done. We want them to make a film and use it as a career accelerator. So we have a workshop with our directors to kind of talk to them about their experiences after Crazy Eights. And then we also put on a marketing and distribution workshop where people understand how to market their film, what the strategy should be for film festivals. You can spend a ton of money on film festivals if you don't have a strategy. And so we sit down with everybody and kind of walk them through what has worked and we bring in our alumni that have had successful festival runs and give them really great pointers on uh, what the next steps are. So, mm. yeah, so we do a lot of things actually post-gala screening and after party. This sounds also like a little bit of a mentorship program in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do really respect the alumni and the people that do the films. I mean, there's a reason why I'm here two years after speaking about the program. And it's because they keep in contact. They want to make sure that your film does well and that you do well as an artist. Like for me doing Small Fish as a platform, it's, it really gave me a name in the indie community, being able to show people what I can do. And then after the festival... I, you know, I'm now such a bigger part of the community. Then I, I go and help out other people. And then it's easier for me to pitch projects because I have this platform and these people backing me up, you know. So it's it's a really, really good opportunity. And it does help your career move forward quite faster. Mm, really, really boosts it up and uh, celebrates at the same time filmmaking. What a wonderful combination of beautiful feelings and thoughts and ideas for filmmakers out there. So this is definitely the filmmakers event. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely the one event that you cannot miss as a filmmaker. So plant your seeds, send that video before the 23rd of October and plant your seed for the main event in February. I really want to see you all there. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, talking about events... We just had Viv. Did you guys manage to go watch any film? Yes. I did, yeah. Usually I'm in the weeds, but I actually, this year, was smart enough, and I said I wanted to go to these parties and then watch these films, and mm -hmm. I, I did everything but one. So nice. I'm happy You're that. good. Yeah, I know. I was actually impressed with myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always, like, not plan because you think it's so close. You're like, oh, I'm just going to go. And then you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> I need to go. <laughs> No, it was great. I saw um, a couple of really awesome shows. One was called The Men's Room, which was a documentary about a choir that was actually a men's choir practicing to open for, I think it was... Um not Metallica, but some big heavy metal headbanger band. I'm totally blanking on it. It's terrible. Um, and then I saw this other wonderful one with um, 
Bill Nighy from Love Actually, at least I remember from mm. Love Actually, who was mm. a drowned out rocker guy, uh, called Sometimes Always Never. And it was a beautiful feature film about a relationship between a son and a father. And again, I was like, a simple story. It doesn't have to be so crazy, right, with all the bells and whistles that sometimes we see in Hollywood, but so effective because they really boiled down to those emotional, impactful, you know, pieces. And mm. the audience in both cases were moved. So, including myself, it was good. Wonderful. That, that's, uh, that also opens another door in regards to what makes the film good and what are the types of films or if you could just name a few films, a few of those films that made a difference and made an impact, inspired you to being a filmmaker? Oh, that's always a tough question because I tend to watch stuff and then move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really terrible. I'm not that, that full cinephile that I feel some people are. Um, you know, it really, it doesn't really matter what it is for me. It can be a short film. It can be um, a feature film. It can be an hour-long documentary. I watch a smattering of everything. I'm not a genre-specific sp um, viewer. Um, but it's always generally some sort of relationship story that will get me, you know, somehow, some way. And, and if it's not there, I feel... Like, I don't know, it just doesn't resonate. I wouldn't recommend that film. So when there's that really sense of like, I can connect with that human on that screen, then that works for me. Mm. Mm. Maxime, how about you? What about the films that, that inspired, you, inspired you to be a filmmaker? Oh boy, films that inspired me to... I, because I came from a dance background... I actually was really inspired by music videos. Mm. I thought I was going to come in and I do the know, same it's thing. So fun. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do music videos. That's all I want to do. Okay, thank you, everyone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no? But then I found myself getting to film more and more. And I think it's just because there was an urging in me that wanted to tell deeper stories. I went and saw um, the new film from Xavier Dolan, recently, Maxime Matthias. And it was actually the first film of Xavier Dolan that I saw. And I was kind of hoping this might sound bad but I was kind of hoping that Xavier Delan was kind of overrated you know maybe he's not that good and I'm like oh he is great like, <laughs> I'm like, so I'm like oh crap you know in the French Canadian community you know it's like there, there's a lot of competition but it's also a smaller community so I'm like oh maybe I could get close and I'm like oh no 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 he, he knows his art and he's good at what he does mm, and I can yeah. see that uh, uh, that merge coming together the music videos with the narrative yeah. in films uh, like of course Mawfish or Iridescence that also had a huge success and yes. uh, congratulations on that for sure yeah. and that's where uh, the question rises if this is the genre that you want to make for the rest of your life yeah definitely I, I want to include dance more and more in film I want to create dance films and when I say dance films it's not just films about dance it's films that uses dance as storytelling Iridescence was told um, entirely through movement as well. And I just feel that there's so much power in movement. Um, and for me, as a French Canadian who works like in an English market, it's easier for me to communicate through movement than through words. Because sometimes I can't find the right word to express the right feeling. But I can express it through the body. And if I can put more and more of that into the films that I do then I've done my job. And that's where I'd like to be as an artist. Wonderful. And that's where really the boundary and the line between director and choreographer is very yeah. blurry. It is very blurry because when you choreograph, you do all your blocking very, very detailed in rehearsals. You know, sometimes there's a lot of freedom on set and then you get to block with the actor and feel the environment around. But with dance, you rehearse so much before that um, you have to create your blocking more in the imagination in the studio. You have to imagine what your world will look like and create your blocking there so that it fits the environment that you put the dancers in. Mm, what a beautiful marriage. A yeah. marriage between movement and uh, staging. Yeah, it's a fun time. Wonderful, I love it. And then you, you're throwing the camera in there as well and playing with the concept and dance between the camera and the performer. Yeah. Woo, there's so much in there. Yes, that's one thing I learned really quickly. Even if I came from a dance background, it doesn't mean that I knew how to shoot dance. So in the beginning, I thought it was just about planting a camera and getting it moving <laughs> with the dance. But you, you got to realize that the camera is part of the choreography. You know, if you choose, and that's for every filmmaker, if you choose to be still, there's a reason for that. If you choose to move with the dance, then there's a reason for that. So it's not just about shooting movement. It's about like, how can you 
uh, embrace the movement with the camera. Wow, I love the sound of these words. This is poetry to me. I love it. And uh, on that note, I'd love to ask you about the most rewarding moment on set. Um, I think it was while I was shooting Iridescence. Uh, Iridescence was the, the my student final film that I did. And there's always a moment because you do as a director you have to compromise a lot so in prep you have you start with a vision and then budget cuts and then you know logistics cuts and scheduling cuts and then you you arrive on set and it's a whole other film which is fine but there's always this one moment on set where it happens how you imagined it and then you're like whoa you know like i'm at like this is actually coming together and because iridescence was my first big film that i did um that's how when i felt it the most so then we did blocking and then i'm not a super emotional person but then i went to the bathroom and took two minutes for myself mm. after and then went back to it and i'm like wow we're really creating something mm -hmm. yeah that speaks to the power of creation uh, and visualization especially is a yeah. powerful tool if you can see it in your mind you can hold it in your hand yeah that's a great way of say of saying it love it love it and that uh, i'd love to actually ask erin as well about the most rewarding moment in your process with crazy eight Oh gosh, I can't play favorites because <laughs> I've been to all of the sets uh, that we've had. You know, I think for me, it's it's not one particular moment. It's kind of when I look at the directors and you can tell they're struggling, mm. which is a terrible thing to point out. But <laughs> you can tell they're struggling, but you know that they've got it. Like, you know that they've got it, even though they don't know they have it. Because when I'm looking at them, I'm like, you have all these people running around for you. You have producers that are, you know, sweaty themselves. You're all living off of pizza. And they are <laughs> doubting themselves. But I know that no matter what, that whole our whole industry has them and for me that there's something really i don't know i get i get excited about that because it's like if i know it's gonna be okay yeah <laughs> for these people yeah these are definitely the words you want to hear when it comes down to uh, making a film in that short amount of time it's it's literally eight days correct mm -hmm. it's eight days yeah three days on produ production and then five days post um and then you deliver you deliver on valentine's day actually what a great thing to love love yeah. your film deliver it um, so yeah those three days you have to be you have to have a really great team and of course we support that um, through the whole thing and uh, you know and the other thing too is kind of like what Maxime was saying he didn't have a ton of directing experience before nope. Crazy 8's directing is a lot about leadership right it's about sticking to your creative guts and also being able to lead a team and when someone's like we don't have time for that and you know you need that shot to be able to go no we're doing this shot we're doing it we can talk about it later you know and not obviously be awful to work with but knowing how to lead a team and also lead your creative vision to see it be successful so mm. yeah people see I, I feel like some people might see Crazy Eights as very intimidating because of like the people that have done Crazy Eights films in the past but what people don't know is that the reason why you know their names of these directors is because they've done Crazy Eights mm. you know so you just just do it you don't need to have that full resume just pitch your story and if you get there you get there and then make your film and make it the best that you can mm, go grab it grab what's yours make it happen and let it all out uh, yeah. let it all out it's yeah. time to express and get the voice out there yeah. this is lovely people I'm uh, uh, just astonished by the fact that like 35 minutes went by oh, and wow. it just felt like like <laughs> nothing like the snap of a finger and with that being said we actually have to take a break so we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to follow up with the one minute pitch and the Proust questionnaire and a few shout outs so everybody enjoy this is again Sampa the Great with Energy We the my life jam nation You realize all the time we wasting You realize all the pain we facing Please pour a cup feminine libation my gosh, we raise him. Please sympathize all the lies we raise him. Please realize all the times. Female energy, one shot, two shot, three times sorrow. Carry all the weight of the world on your shoulders. Give a couple crowns to the woman who had bore us. Told us, focus, love and support us. Magical, umbilical, my universe is radical. Introduce the nation to embracing what is factual. Feminine energy, almost mathematical. You can really sum up what is infinite and valuable. Feminine energy, balance up the indestructible, in the vaginal, heaven in thine. She sing a melody to pass the time 
give us her energy so she feel mine If I was astonished by the level of shame Feminine energy, never shame again Rain, tamed, brain, praying Intuition and ambition running through my veins Pour out the love, let the healing begin again Welcome back, everybody. That was energy from Sampa the Great. Great sounds right there. I'm so, so, so happy again to be here in the booth talking about Crazy Eights with Erin Mosolom and Maxime Beauchamp. Let's get into it. We are uh, entering the third section of our show over here. And we're actually going to have the chance to hear some pitches, ask some these questions, and go for some shout-outs, just enjoying the time uh, that we have here in the booth and celebrating the film community in Vancouver. So... Who's ready to go for it? Who's ready to go for the one-minute pitch? I'll go. Yeah, you oh, go, because we're talking crazy. It's you pitch. <laughs> we're yeah. talking, yeah. Erin is ready. We're going to pitch. I'm going to hit that clock. Three, two, one. Let's go. Okay. I'm going you know, to pitch out Crazy Eights. One of the things I think a lot of people don't know about Crazy Eights is, yes, we have a gala screening and after party, but we have a tremendous amount of workshops. We do. Um, we support our writers. We support our directors with a director workshop. We have a producer workshop. We have a cinematography workshop. We have a marketing and distribution work workshops. We have all these massive educational pieces that help support the filmmakers um, as they go through their journey um, writers are huge for us I know writers don't always get a big shout out but we love them and we actually support them through story editing um, and they get professional story editors to come alongside and help them with their scripts um, leading up to their delivery of the final script as well so there's so much that Crazy it's does behind the scenes that you actually get to see when you see the film on screen but I just want to let people know that you're incredibly supported and uh, yeah Wonderful. There's a love pitch from, for Crazy Eights from Erin. Efficiency. Woo. I love it. 100 points for Erin right there. That's amazing. <laughs> Maxima, are you ready? Oh, yeah. We're going to go for, uh, uh, again, one minute. One minute pitch. Hitting the clock. Three, two, one. Let's go. So I'm going to talk to you guys about Cross Country Baby, which is the new feature film we're developing with Emmy Films. Uh, Cross Country Baby is a dramedy. It's a feature film that tells us a story of an interracial gay couple who travels across Canada to find the perfect surrogate. Because I don't know if you knew, but surrogacy is illegal in Canada. You can't really pay somebody to have your baby. So then I thought of like, what would be the most interesting story about fatherhood, about two people trying to raise a family, raise a part of themselves, but how would they do it if they have to go against the law to do it? So they decide to go on a road trip that starts in Ontario and finishes in BC. And along the way, they meet as many people as they can. And they ask them, can I have your uterus and can I have your eggs? So it's a really interesting part of the story. There's a lot of comedy involved and there's a lot of challenges about who they are as people and are they ready to be fathers, which is something that everybody can connect with. Wow, look at that pitch again. A hundred points for Maxime. Wonderful. Nailed it. What a wonderful story. Really um, uh, really hitting a specific angle. So relevant. So relevant. Yeah. It's, well, it came, it came from personal experiences. I mean, I have a, a Filipino partner and I always thought about like how we would have kids together. And it's like, well, do we want your kid do we want my kid do we want to adopt a kid it's like there's so many options and it's not as easy so there's a lot to think about wow i'm really looking forward to this this yeah. is wonderful the, uh, sh shoot the, the title again through the mic yes yeah, so the title is cross-country baby and the goal is to film next fall so hopefully it'll be 
on screen in 2021. Ooh, let's plan the thought. Let's save that on the desktop and we'll get back to it, man. Yes. Wow, wow. I would love to have you come back and chat a bit more about all the adventures on set. That I would, would love to. I love it. We'll pin that thought. Imagine, imagine when we will be doing that and we'll say, remember when we're part of the I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Love it, love <laughs> it, love, love it. it. Yeah. Ooh, wonderful. Okay. Time for the Proust questionnaire. So Proust wrote down 35 questions, believing that we could uh, dig into someone's true essence and identity. Of course, we're going to pick only five and just uh, talk a bit more about life and not necessarily only about film. But of course, we can interweave film with all of that because why the hell not? Mm -hmm. That's what we love. And so we do what we love and we love what we do. First question of the Proust questionnaire. Woo! What is your greatest fear? Oh, my God. And this is for <laughs> both of us? Why not? Okay. It's out there. It's out there. Let's do it. I'm going to say letting people down. That's my trigger. And I will turn myself into a pretzel because I don't want to let anybody down to a benefit and the destruction of myself. So I don't ever want to let anybody down. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's right. I think one of my biggest fear is like appearing like somebody that's not authentic. Like I'm always afraid that like if I don't know enough about a subject, I'm going to go talk with somebody and they're going to call me out on it and they'll be like, you didn't do your research. Who are you? You're not worth it. And it's like, oh, my God. Yes, I am. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's such a. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that answer as well. I love the, the direction that we're going. And uh, we, we def these are definitely deep questions, but mm -hmm. why not? We shouldn't be afraid and we shouldn't shy away from this depth. Uh, next question, though. I want to take it a little bit back. I want to moonwalk back a little bit and ask you, what is your most treasured possession? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. This is really going in. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I'm going to say, obviously, my family. But oh, if yeah. it wasn't my family, because it's, a, you know, we always do that. Uh, you know, I'm going to say it's my cat. Love you. <laughs> little shout out to hashtag Sir William. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he came into my life when I really needed it, and he's a rescue, and we have this hilarious, uh, yeah, kind of like bro relationship, so it's kind of fun. Wonderful. I, I, I'm having a hard time. I really don't know what is my most treasured possession right now. I mean, um, yeah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Let's. I, I don't own a lot of things, to be fully honest. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's a. It's something that is. Uh, I guess a lucky charm in a way. But I have. I do have my grandfather's cross that he wore for his life, and then when his, he passed away, then he handed it over. So I think it's a really great treasured possession that I have. Mm, wow! Beautiful. This is amazing. Getting deeper and deeper, and I thank you for doing that because definitely the most treasured possession is is a. Uh, uh, somehow it also unveils a bit of that vulnerability and, and the value yeah and uh, that's something that's that really speaks for who we truly are so yeah thank you for sharing that third question of the Proust questionnaire this is a really I'm very curious about this if you were to die and come back as a person or a thing what would it be oh mm -hmm. you can go first I can go first <laughs> um, as a person or a thing um, I would, I, I don't know, I think I'd come by, like, I like this expression of being a fly on the wall. I'd love to come back as a fly and just like, oh, what is happening after my death? You know, what are people saying about me? What is that? I would love to do that. Mm. That's just my curiosity speaking. Mm -hmm. Oh, geez, that's a tough question. Um, I'm kind of thinking... Well, what came to mind, gut-wise, is, is a tree. I'd like to come back as, like, a gigantic, huge tree. Just <laughs> stand there all day long and, like, you know. Yes. You know. Feel the wind. Feel the wind yes. in my hair. Yes. Like. Wonderful. And, and, and trees are such magical. So They're so magical. Yeah. The, 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 this is beautiful book called The Hidden Life of Trees, mm -hmm. I believe it's called, uh, that connects the dots between the behavior of trees and the behavior of human beings. Ah. And it's just incredible yeah. to see how blurry that line is as well and how connected we all are. They're very much a family from what I've read. It's oh, yeah? cool, yeah. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful fourth question of the Proust questionnaire. Who are your heroes in real life? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> heroes in real life. I've got to be honest, I really learned to appreciate my mom ever since I moved out. <laughs> when you're in your home, you kind of don't see it. But ever since I moved out and moved to another province, I really appreciate, I think, like, what, who she is as a person and how much positivity and charismatic she puts out is really an amazing quality. And that's something that I wish I, that I thrive to be. And I hope that my, I can transfer that to my kids as well. Mm, beautiful. 
Yeah, I'm going to say my parents as well. Yeah. Uh, my, my parents are still together, married 52 years. I've been able to see. They're very vulnerable with us all. Like, we can see their relationships up and down. Um, they're humble people. They live a simple life. Um, but they, they live... In simplicity, in the sense that they're very aware of their surroundings, they're very into nature, and they're such great role models to me. They're steady. They have the wisdom that I have appreciated over the years mm. when my chaotic career has been all over the place, and my mom's like, just live for today. Yeah. Live for today. Mm, yes. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, just live for today. So these little nuggets of wisdom that they've passed down to me has kept me grounded as an individual, so I really appreciate that. Mm, pure simplicity is what yeah. we start for when immersed in a world of such complexity it's just so scary because you look at you look at how complex the world becomes and the further you step into life the more complex it is yeah mm-hmm. so it seems like you're always chasing for answers that that are always floating in they live in a fluid state and uh, it probably makes me think that it's not about the answers but about the questions and mm-hmm. yeah. that's where it all mm-hmm. lives yeah wonderful and talking about question the last question of the Proust questionnaire for you okay. guys is which historical figure do you most identify with <laughs> well, these are tough. Yeah. yeah, why not? Historical why not? figure that I ended up Historical, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, if you know. I don't know. You go ahead. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my history uh, is... I know, my history is terrible. Yeah. Like, I'm always making up stuff in the future. <laughs> yeah. uh, history, history, history. Um, you know what? I don't, I don't really know a great answer to that. Um... At all, really. I mean, I think of a lot of different people that have had impact um, that I look at in and, and their different pockets. I think, you know what, I'm going to take a stab in the dark. I'm going to probably say Beethoven, you know? Mm. So I grew up in music, so my my primary study was, was piano and violin. And when I look at Beethoven... Uh, and his hearing loss and what that must have felt like for him to have given everything to do one particular discipline and then have that being lost and him going deaf and not being able to hear his own music. To me, there's something so deep and powerful there that he must have gone through as a person just on such a dark, deep basis. And I think him being able to come out of that is something really interesting. Mm, very inspiring. Of course, died, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but very inspiring, Maxime. I honestly can't think of a, of a specific person, but I gotta say that, like, I wish I could identify with these people that really stood for something bigger than themselves and some of them died for it. Uh, I don't think I have that quality in me yet. I think I have all of, like... Uh, the qualities to stand for like French Canadian language for LGBTQ people, but I still need to find the confidence to push that to the next level. So I look at these historical people and I wish I could identify with them and hopefully one day I will. Wonderful. Oh, this is, these are wonderful answers uh, of, of great depth and uh, I really want to thank you for answering these questions with your hearts. It's very easy to just get, leave them stuck in, uh, in yeah. your mind and your brain, but you really dove mm-hmm. in and I appreciate it. And I'm sure that people out there listening appreciate it as well. You know, what it takes with these shows is even one word or one sentence that maybe is going to change the day for someone out there. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. And it's all storytelling. Mm-hmm. We eat emotions. We drink energy. We breathe stories. Let's breathe those stories all day long. Let's make it happen. Yeah. We're actually approaching the end of the episode. And uh, uh, there is one more question, a bonus question. We do oh. have some time from the Proust questionnaire that I'm very curious to hear from both of you. When and where were you happiest? Oh. Mm-hmm. oh that's a good one. Yeah. That was really good. Oh, I can jump in on that. So we, as a kid, I lived on this, uh, it was between the ages of like zero and probably four. <laughs> and I remember this house and it backed onto a sort of farmer's field and there was horses in there in a forest and I there was a swing set, little park next door. And I just remember swinging on this swing set uh, and there was like, I didn't have anything to worry about. Mm. There was nothing I had to do. There was no to-do list. There was no, I have to do this or I have to keep up with social media. Or I have to retweet this or what are people thinking about me? There was no FOMO. There was just me and the grass and the sky and the swings and the birds and the bees. And it was just, I think, the first and last time I realized I don't have a to-do list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was really happy. Yeah. If only, so sometimes when I'm stressed out, I go back to that place and I just 
like play on the swing sets for a little bit and uh, calms me down. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I can think of two moments, but one of them is, uh, so I, I owned a summer camp back home uh, for a few years and then there was this, the first year we didn't know how much money it would cost and blah, blah, blah. So we just hired some great people and we had, we worked with them all summer. So I worked with my really good friend, Sofian all summer and we just, we were the counselors and we were just acting like kids for like an entire summer like we were the kids in the camp and just joking and it was just like a happy happy summer yeah. wonderful yeah. that's a wonderful memory there um, the the necessity to be a child back again yeah. that's what I also can ex can can get from both of your answers the necessity that's to true. respect the inner child yeah, and um, that energy it's the most precious energy and we all have everything all that happiness, all that joy, all those feelings, we have them since when we were very young, but sometimes we find them so precious that we hide them somewhere. We yeah. hide them in the drawers of our souls mm -hmm. and we just forget about it. But just go, dive deeper, dive in and find it because we all have it and we're born with it. Yeah. Thank you for these wonderful answers and I think it's time to start wrapping the whole episode up. And uh, before I do, I really want to put the focus back on Crazy Aids and uh, the amazing initiative that you guys are doing. Erin, uh, can you just uh, give a shout out to the deadline and the pitching process? Yeah, absolutely. Pitch. We're accepting pitches until uh, midnight of October 23rd. Uh, you can apply through our website at crazyates.film. We're doing it on Film Freeway this year, um, so you can use that pl platform, which is super easy. And again, it's, uh, you know, once you're in with Crazy Eights, you actually are in with a bunch of different people, and it's a relationship and an industry uh, incubator, and uh, just encourage people to try. It just starts with a story. Mm, just starts with a story. Maxime, mm. I want to hear from you. What's your word for the people who want to pitch to Crazy Eights this year? Do it. Just do it. <laughs> like, stop overthinking it. Pick up your camera and just send it over. Like, stop judging yourself. They hire judges to do that. <laughs> so let them judge you. Oh, that's wonderful that's there. Yeah. I, love, I love how you flip that omelette. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Any last shout out? No. Keep an eye out for, I mean, I own a company with Ken Guinness, Emmy Films, and we're working on our next film, Watershed. Uh, we also have our documentary, Distinct Runs Deep, which is going through festivals right now. Uh, so keep a lookout for that and any future projects with Emmy Films. Uh, that's amazing. And again, congratulations on Distinct Runs Deep. That actually made it to TIFF, correct? It, made, it premiered at TIFF and then it uh, screened at VIF as well. Really great film. A lot of hard work from Ken Guinness and Max Stannard who really leaded that project forward. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wow. So I wish you guys all the best. You deserve it. You work hard and you put a lot of emotion into it and you deserve it. Erin, uh, uh, any yeah. last shout out? Shout out to our amazing Crazy Aids team uh, who I work with every day to kind of make this project happen. To our amazing sponsors that come on board every year uh, out of the goodness of their hearts uh, to help us uh, make this program happen. And yeah, just a shout out to the creative process because yeah. it is, it's fun, right? We get to play and make up stuff. It's awesome. We have the probably the biggest opportunity that 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 uh, has been uh, offered on this planet to create and tell stories, and we're grateful for it. And uh, we acknowledge that we have the opportunity to do it. So, filmmakers, we're the luckiest people in the world. Mm -hmm. A big hug to all of you out there listening. Uh, I'll put the link to also your guys' social media handles uh, on okay. the description of the, this podcast on roomtontheradioshow.com. Uh, please make sure to stay tuned with Crazy Eights, the various events deadline October twenty third. So, pitch next the main event in February. Uh, mark your calendars, make it happen, and. I'm going to say goodbye uh, here on Room Tone, the radio show, uh, with uh, another funky track from Sampa the Great. Take a moment and enjoy. Uh, this is a song called Mona Lisa. I'll catch you next Thursday, 11 a.m. It was a pleasure to chat with you guys. Enjoy life and love will enjoy you. Ciao, ciao. Take charge, tell them who you are. Well, hello, son, you might not be the star. I'm belated and frustrated that the queen needs nine. Cause you better have a fake phone. Fuck it, but I'm running on my own. While I'm riding on my own, so I'm going. Why you watching the phone? You're home alone, but you sleep on this one. Is that Suki Sampi Sosa opening for King? Take your baby, please.